Got him. Kids west. Oh my god, he's a legend. I told you, I just had oh a long off. Are you dancing on him, dude? <laughs> I haven't played in three days. Like, the, the three day rust, man. Yeah, you gotta shake that off. Yeah. So what you're just listening to was the voice and sounds of John Bearded Blevins playing Fortnite on his Twitch stream. John is the brother of the most famous live streaming gamer in the world. You might have heard of him. His name's Ninja. For a lot of us, evangelization usually looks something like this. You bring your kids or yourself to a parish mission, a retreat, a Steubenville conference, or something just like that. Maybe a life teen youth group, something like that. For a lot of us, it doesn't look like playing Fortnite and building a positive community around that. I recently met John at a life teen Catholic youth ministry convention. He was actually up on stage with one of his friends, Joel Stepanik, and they were eating hot wings. It was an interesting site. You can go watch it on YouTube. When they were up there, I was really intrigued because I heard of John's story and what he was doing. John is a live streamer, just like his brother Ninja, but he puts his own spin on it. John's a director of evangelization and he loves his Catholic faith. And so when he also loved the game Fortnite and also wanted to stream, he wanted to build a positive community in that environment. And he started doing just that. John has really amassed a huge following on social media and especially through his Twitch streams and his YouTube videos that all are him playing Fortnite and talking to his community. He engages with them there. And it's really, really cool, the unique things that he's doing in evangelization online. So I think you're gonna love this interview. I brought him on the podcast and we started to talk. And actually, we went live on his Twitch channel on accident. So we kind of had some technical difficulties, but then as soon as we got in the interview, that's what you're going to about to hear the actual part of the interview, the full interview after the technical difficulties. But if you want to hear the first part, you can go check that out at Bearded Belvins on Twitch and you can enjoy that. I don't know if it's still there, but anyways, let's get into the show with John Bearded Blevins. <laughs> technical difficulties went streaming for a while so that, that was fun we yeah were, whoops um, that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah go check john out uh, uh, um, at bearded blevins on twitch and everywhere else you watch your gaming needs <laughs> so <laughs> i think i remember where i was though so you were talking about joel stepanik met joel stepanik yeah yeah so with the, i think i was at the part where already where i was a youth minister in Gurney and then director of evangelization and then moved over to a, a parish closer to the city of Chicago to be a director of evangelization and hire an entire team of seven people to do evangelization at this really big parish called St. James in Arlington Heights. And that is where I reside now, sitting here on paternity leave. That's fantastic. Um, so let's, I want to talk about that for a second. What is that like um, for you? So you said you started as a youth minister and now you grew the position into director of evangelization. What's that like to grow in that type of way at a parish? And like, what's the difference between just being a youth minister to being director of evangelization? And yeah, why do you think it's a, important? That's a great question. So my, my desire for wanting to be a director of evangelization stemmed from feeling like youth ministry like good there's good youth ministry happening in this country some of the best i think that's happened really ever right now at some parishes and a lot of times um that just kind of stays in with youth ministry like there's a lot of places that have great youth ministry and just okay one through five or great youth ministry and nothing for young adults or adults 
Um, and uh, I, I was meeting all these teens, leading these programs with hundreds of teens, and realizing they knew nothing. They, they, they didn't know anything. They're seniors in high school, and they literally don't know how to do the sign of the cross. And I was like, oh, man, what's the way that I could influence a parish? Because I already felt called to work in youth ministry and be in a parish. How could I influence the parish in a way that would be able to help the young people start learning earlier? Um, maybe implementing middle school youth ministry, and then maybe thinking rethinking how we do one through five ministry uh, and sacrament preparation. And the only real way I could think of was to get a master's degree and be a director of religious ed, a DRE. Um, I never really wanted to be a DRE, but that was probably the only way I could get those things changed. And so I decided to go get my master's in religious education with an emphasis in youth ministry and young adult ministry from Fordham. Um, and then, like, once I had that, it was like, okay, now at least I have, you know, the, if you will, the qualifications, according to the diocese, to be a director of some kind. Um, then I'm at, I'm working, I'm doing youth ministry at this parish at St. Paul in, in Gurney. That was my home parish. Uh, this was just a couple years ago and youth ministry was, was going really well and God was really blessing the parish. Um, and then all of a sudden our pastoral associate, who's a great friend of mine and the person who hired me decided she was going to move on. We didn't have a director of religious education and we had some holes I thought we needed to fill, um, with, with one through eight. And so I just proposed it to this, the pastor. I was like, listen, I, I can do this. Like I, I, I have my master's degree. I've just been doing youth ministry, but I would like to be the director um, and make some changes, you know, one through eight and, and hire some people and, and get some things done. And he was like, I think that's a great idea. And so, <laughs> so I got a little raise and, uh, and had the opportunity to do that at that parish. So the difference, though, I think between the two, the biggest difference, in my opinion, is that when you're doing youth ministry, you're often not doing sacramental prep. I know a lot of people do. I was doing a lot of it as far as con- like confirmation uh, if they were confirmed in high school and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's often just you're doing ministry for the teens that want to be there. And not that it's easy by any means, because I think youth ministry is very tough and it's hard to engage this generation. Um, but you're, you're dealing with a lot less parents um, than if you're doing sacramental formation. We all know if, you're, if we're Catholic, you all know like the numbers go up in first and second grade with first reconciliation and, uh, you know, and uh, first communion. The numbers go up in eighth grade for confirmation or up their junior year for confirmation. Um, right. and, and sure, there's plenty of ministers who have to do with confirmation and stuff. But man, when you're dealing with like 2,000 families instead of just 100 families, a lot more stress, a lot more opinions, um, and a lot more red tape that you have to go through. And so to be honest, like I joke around all the time, like, man, if I could make what I'm making now just doing youth ministry, I'd go back 100%. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I hear you. I um, am the director of youth and young alt ministry at my parish. And it's kind of, it's, I, I'm not the director of evangelization, although my, my reach is expanding outside of youth ministry right now. Um, I do you know, youth ministry, young adult ministry, I do confirmation prep. And now I'm starting to do some men's ministry and do some parish evangelization, like leading parish missions and whatnot. And it's, it's been a little chaotic for right? sure. Yeah, it gets wild. So, I mean, what, what would you say to like pastors out there um, or people who maybe are DREs or youth ministers in terms of like parish leadership? Because I think, What's what's so cool about your story and kind of building your growth in your position is like there was actual growth in your position. I think so many times at parishes, there's not like the leadership that says, oh, that's a great idea. You know, let's grow your position. Let's let's invest in the people we have. Um, what, what would you say to them in terms of that? Yeah, I think I, I think uh, one of I think one of the biggest issues in the church is a lack of leadership. Um 
we've got some incredible, incredible pastors uh, all throughout all throughout the country, all throughout the world. Um, but they, a lot of us have just kind of grown up in this in this church where, uh, yeah, growing ideas, being innovative in ministry uh, isn't often allowed or encouraged. I think that might be changing a little now. But I would say, uh, yeah, look at the people that you have. Like if pastors can look at the team that they have, if they have a great youth minister and they're really young, then it might be important to put some resources in, help pay for their master's degree, help pay for their leadership training, some good conferences for them to go to where they can develop. Um, and then let them mentor the people that they hire, right? Because then eventually if they're going to be a director of religious ed or a director of evangelization, then they can bring on a young youth minister. Not that they have to be young. Uh, it's just right. often the most feasible way and the church can afford uh, to, to hire someone. And then all of a sudden, like they're mentoring uh, people so that they can grow in, in leadership to lead as many people as we can closer to Jesus. That I think right. is, is super important. Um, and then honestly, like paying a fair wage is is, is super important too. Uh, and that's how you're going to get good people, right? Like it's yeah. a, a lot, a lot of churches out there. And I get it. Like there's a lot of poor churches out there. They need help. We, people who are uh, making money need to be supporting those parishes as well. Churches included. But um, yeah, if you can, if you can pay people a, a just wage, um, then, then you can see some crazy things happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you said, you know, your roommate was, uh, Joel Stepanek, and then he went on to go and work for Life, and he's doing a lot of really great stuff to to lead ministry and to influence a lot of people. What was that like for you to, to just be his friend and you know to be his roommate? How has that helped you um, and inspired your ministry? How has he helped you? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So we were we're actually it was not my roommate. I, I went to college, I lived by myself. He um, was living near me. And he was the full-time youth minister at the time at this pretty big parish in Wisconsin. And so I initially met him uh, by volunteering and being on his core team for Life Teen. Um, about a year after that, I became the middle school youth minister at the parish, the edge coordinator, which was a new position created for me. Um, so he was my boss at first. Um, oh, we wow. became best friends before that, but like grew, we've grown closer right, right ever since then. Um, and then at one point, uh, myself, his now wife at the time, uh, just friend, uh, right. Colleen, and then me were all three essentially like the directors of, of youth ministry or, or he was a director and we were both the coordinators, but all three of us were full time at this parish um, doing ministry from sixth through 12th grade. And it was fun. It was incredible. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, but here's the thing. Joel hired me. Um, and then the pastor at the time was Father Dan. He's now the vicar general of Green Bay. Um, so just wow. an incredible, and, and he took seven parishes and made them into one parish in Wisconsin. So just wow. an incredibly talented guy. And he was our pastor and Joel was my boss and we were the best of friends. We still are. Um, they, they both are still mentors for me. Um, at least Joel would say that I now like we mentor each other. Um, but man, at first the, the relationship I had with Joel, very much best friends, but very much, um, he was very much a mentor for me and still is. Um, he, we're very different. I'm goofy. I'm maybe a little more extroverted. Um, we're super, we're super different in a lot of ways. And he is like, uh, he's strong. Like he's, 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 a, uh, he's a leader. Um, I've learned to be a leader, but he's a, a much more natural leader than I am. Um, he's very, very good at communicating, very good at writing. Um, yeah. and so here I am, right, this middle school minister and I'm walking in and I'm just like wearing PJs to work. Um, and, and, you know, responding, like responding to emails with like, without a greeting and without like, uh, you know, signing off. Um, and he literally would like 
teach me how to communicate to parents, how to handle, you know, bad situations, how to handle if a teenager is suicidal. I literally learned how to be a youth minister from him and took all the things I sucked at and got mm. good at them and then was able to use my strengths and the things I was good at and grow those too. So without Joel and without Father Dan, I, I literally would not be where I am in ministry. That's awesome. Yeah. So when I, when I was getting started out in ministry, I was just a volunteer core member with one of my best friends and we did a retreat that we brought Joel in for. And I remember like, it's something that stuck out to me my entire career in ministry so far, like Joel's ability on that retreat, not only, of course, he's a great speaker, but to pause with the core team in between all the sessions and then just sit down with us. And he took out his little notebook and he'd go through like, so this is what I'm feeling. How could we adjust the way we are dealing with these kids in small groups? How could I change up things along the way? And I was just so like impacted by that, seeing how he was like, he, he would just like feel the room so well and then lead us as a team after knowing us for a day. I mean, it was, it was really cool. So that's, that's something that I was really impacted by. It was cool to see that. Yeah. And I, I literally did not know how to do that before I met him. And now it's like a gift of mine. So he's, he's an incredible leader. So the first time I ever heard about you and knew you was at CYMC, I think it was last year. And you were on stage with Joel having hot wings. Oh yeah. Hot ones. So, let's, let's talk about uh, hot, hot ones and that experience up there. You, you, your face got pretty red. I mean, you, you were, you went all in on that. Yeah. Okay. So funny story. Joel's actually the fr- the person that got me into hot sauce. I never liked spicy food until I met him, and he started he started like teaching me like, dude, you can grow uh, a tolerance for this. You can you can eventually you know get hotter and hotter foods, and so it's kind of like a way we bonded, and, and it was really cool that kind of came to like this this culmination uh, at CYMC on stage where he could interview me while we ate hot wings. But um, it was it was spicy, and I took that last bite on the last one. I, I think it was called last dab or something, whatever whatever that hot sauce was. I like chugged it after. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. That was a mistake. I was not feeling well for like an hour. Oh man, I yeah I was like. It, it can't be like real hot sauce in that thing, but it was. Wasn't oh it? yeah, it certainly was. It was rough. I was dri- I was dripping sweat and like dry heaving in the bathroom afterwards. <laughs> they zoomed in on the camera, so we, and it was like it was no joke. There was like droplets of sweat just pouring off. It was it was wild. <laughs> yeah, at the time now, like I, I, at the time, I regretted it. Now I don't. So it was worth it. That that it was a fun time. That that was good for us in the in the audience. Cool. <laughs> we enjoyed it. Um, so I, and I heard you on, uh, Taylor Scholl's podcast talking about, uh, Joel did not actually have any hot, hot sauce. Is that correct? So it's not fully correct. He actually had every bit of hot sauce I did except for the very last one. And the reason was because he had to lead like three more sessions or three more things that night and he would have been nuts, but dude can, dude can eat some hot sauce. Let me tell you. He can, so I should not challenge him on a hot sauce eating contest ever. I would not. I would not. If I, if I challenged him, I would probably tie him because I refuse to lose, but I might throw up. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but that dude can eat some hot food. All right. Good to know. Noted. So, uh, you know, you talked about how you've been doing ministry, and you just talked about how you, you've been kind of growing your family over the years. You just had your baby daughter, Kiara. Yep. Um, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So what's what is it like for you as as a dad as a husband working in ministry? It's crazy hours sometimes, and it's really busy life sometimes. Yeah. And your family's very much like I feel like sometimes going to church as a youth minister with my wife and my family. It's like 
you walk in and everybody wants to come up and talk to you. Like, what's that experience like for you? How's it been for you and Jody and your and your kids? Talk about that. Yeah, so that's a really good question that I'm surprised more people don't ask. Um, I it's probably the hardest part of working in the church, to be honest. Uh, yeah. The yeah, it's it's like it's hard for faith not to become a job, and it's hard to for prayer not to feel like work, um, and so it's been tough. Uh, I really, I mean, I love I love my family. I love talking about the faith with my family, but even talking about the faith with my family and trying to teach my kids can feel it's like work. work sometimes. It feels like yeah, yeah, and I'm just like man. Um, so it's definitely been difficult, and I do think that having a pastor that is willing to be a father and not just a boss can be yeah. a, a big help. I've had maybe five or six pastors I've worked for, some were better than others at that. Um, but the, having that is a huge help and having a spiritual director, if you don't at least have that, has been a huge help as well. Um, if, without without my spiritual director that I've only had for maybe two years, I don't know where I'd be right now because yeah, it's, it's hard to navigate those waters. Uh, on paternity leave, for instance, um, mm-hmm. I've only gone to my parish like two times uh, mm-hmm. and it's been two months. Because I just, yeah, you walk in and it's it's part of it's awesome, right? Like you get the affirmation, they love, they want to see your growing family, but it really does just feel like who's like everyone's watching me. They want to ask questions, and so it comes with it, right? I think it's part of it. You got to yeah. pick the cross up and walk. But um, it's been nice on paternity leave to not have to be at so many things. Now the hours part you bring up that like I didn't. I'm surprised. I only did not address that first because I've not done it for two months. But yeah, that's that's hard and and probably hardest on my wife um, and my kids. Like. The, the three or four nights a week for, for their whole lives, at least for my, my kids' whole lives and for my wife and I's whole marriage, is tough, right? Like, and it's hard to go yeah. on vacations for the whole weekend if you got to work on Sunday night. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely probably the biggest struggle and the biggest um, way to combat the struggle, I think, is by having that prayer life and the spiritual director. Is uh, Jody, your wife, ever involved with any of your youth programs? For the so we've known each other ten years and be, we've been married five years going on six so for the first seven years of the ten years she was involved um, yeah. and then when we moved here to to St James a year ago so actually nine years I'm wrong nine years out of the first ten um, wow. now at St James she has not been because we have she was pregnant um, and she stays home here as well um, yeah. so she's been less involved but she misses it. And dude, my yeah. wife is like, I'm sure yours is the same. Like my wife is like the best core member I've ever had. Um, exactly. How and, and, she has a, and she has a voice of an angel. And so she leads a lot of, of worship and stuff. Um, so same we're missing here. her. That's exactly the same with Christina. She was involved for until, yeah, probably a couple months back when we had our first daughter Eden here. And uh, she had it. She tried for like the first two months with Eden. And then it was just like, this is too much to bring her over to uh, mom and dad's, leave them there, and then go back and pick them up. In the whole thing, it was just chaotic. So it's sure. like, give her a breather. She's it's helped her definitely relax. I think um, for sure, but definitely miss her because she was the best core member right. in the world. We always joke, we're like, you know, we talk about like her work experience and everything. She's like, oh yeah, and I've I've, I've also kind of been like an assistant youth minister for like you know five years so it's <laughs> like tacos another thing tacked on what do you think about like your kids so you, so you have three kids right yeah two boys and a girl two boys and a girl so how do you feel about like being a youth minister and a director of evangelization now your kids growing up in the faith and then you know seeing dad as the youth minister director of evangelization guy the church guy and then seeing all the stuff that you do, how do you feel like that is going to uh, 
um, project onto them in a, in a certain way? And how do you think they'll feel about it? How do you plan on like being a dad in that, in that context? That's something I think about all the time with Eden. I'm like, you know, I, I fear that one day she's going to be like, just because you're the youth minister doesn't mean you know everything about me. Dad. Sure, like, right? sure. You know, and rebel. Yeah. So I've got some friends at, uh, in ministry that they, they have that fear. That's probably one of their biggest fears is that their kids will do that. I don't know. I don't. Um, and, and I think about it a lot. I think about like what, you know, am I passing the faith down enough? Am I being a good, um, you know, a good teacher to them? Uh, as well as a good father. And I think I am. I think I, I let I like to let them be kids and dream and, and imagine. And so I, I like the, I let them kind of read their Catholic books during mass. They're only five, three and, you know, three months old or two months old. Um, so I don't expect a ton out of them now. Uh, I, I like to let them kind of pray on their own, like I like pray with them, but like let them kind of say what they want as they kind of explore that. Right. I feel like when I grew up, I learned a lot of the prayers. Like they know the tantum, so don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah. But like they, you know, they don't know what the tantum ergo means. They're too little. And so yeah. I have fun with it, but I, I don't fear it because here's the thing. I, I have so many friends that are like just gifted and and better than me even at, at, at a lot of things in ministry. And they're not going to see me all the time up on stage. And if they do it one thing, they're going to hear 10 other people at that same place who are insanely inspiring. And I trust that God is going to put the people in their lives through what we're doing in ministry um, Mm -hmm. to to make sure that they stay strong in their faith. Right. Like you see you see Mark Hart's kids like he's he's an incredible dude, a a friend of mine, like his kids, his kids are uh, growing up being friends with Matt Marr. Right. And like hearing Joel talk. So, uh, you know, they might be sick of they might be sick of hearing dad, um, but they're they're certainly not sick of of listening to these other people and and growing closer to Jesus. So I'm I'm confident. But I I, every time I say that in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, knock on wood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Knock on wood. Because, you know, every TV show ever is like the pastor's kid, you know. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I never thought about that, though. Like the the circle and like the world, you're kind of like bringing them up and they'll they get exposed to all these different things and that's great opportunity for them to, to have those seeds planted. And right. Literally all three of my kids, including my two month old have been to adoration more times than I was in adoration for my first 18 years of life. That's so true. Right. So it's like, they'll be all right. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's cool. That's cool. So now I want to transition and talk more about ministry and, and you know, most of the time when you're working in, uh, parishes, director of evangelization or youth minister, you think about like, okay, every single way I'm going to evangelize these kids, you know, we're going to bring them on a retreat. We're going to bring them to a life night and edge night, you know, these different types of things or a Bible study or what have you. Video gaming for evangelization is not something that is super commonly talked about as like, yeah, I'm gonna go play Fortnite and uh, that's going to help evangelize people or build community. Um, that can be an outlet for me. Talk about your you know, what, what got you into this whole streaming video games and using it as a source of evangelization? Yeah. Uh, good question. I, I want to start by saying that when I started this a couple years ago at my last parish and then now at my new parish, um, it has not, although some teens from those parishes or people from those parishes will watch and support, um, I started it more for just evangelization in general, right. than I did parish ministry. 
Um, right. Although my associate pastor at my last parish really did want to start a stream at the church, which never got we never really did it. Um, he had some health issues, but uh, we almost did that, which would have been really cool. He was going to get all the streaming yeah. equipment. So um, I, yeah, I, I, it, here's how kind of how it started. I, I my brother is for those who don't know, my brother is Ninja, the most famous video gamer in the world. Um, really has blown up in the last two years. But was a gamer and a streamer for, you know, four or five years before he ever blew up. And so I had been learning, you know, even just a little bit about what streaming was for the last, like, six, seven years of my life. And uh, I always loved watching him, although I didn't do it often because I was busy and working and going to school and work and then working again. Um, but I, I would like to go to his house and play games with him and sit next to him while playing Halo before he ever kind of blew up. Um, and then I, I got married and took a little break from video games and then Fortnite came out. And mm-hmm. when Fortnite came out, like I remember just hearing about it and not really understanding what it was and never really watching it. Um, and then all of a sudden my brother was like, dude, John, like you should play it. And I was like, ah, I'm really bad. I'm like, I'm good at video games when after like five months of playing them, but I'm not natural at it like he is. Right. Um, and so I was like, ah, it would take me too long to learn. And he's like, trust me, you're going to have fun. And so I called my buddy and I was like, dude, you want to play this Fortnite game with me? He's like, yeah, I'll download it. So we started gaming like every night. For at the very least, which is like eight to ten p.m., like two hours a night, and playing Fortnite, right. all of a sudden Tyler's like starts to blow up, and he's like, "Yo, John, like you should stream." And yeah. I was like, "Wait, what?" And he's like, "Yeah, like you know, you could use it to talk about your faith." His wife actually was part of the conversation, and I think she was even more of a catalyst in the conversation. Like, you should use it to to talk about faith. And I was like, "I don't want it to look like I'm riding his coattails." And she's yeah. like, "It's not like that at all. Like, you're you're you'd have a good personality. You'd be good at it." And I was like, "Okay." So, um, and at that point I was like, man, I never really thought of using it to talk about faith. Like Twitch, Twitch is a pretty dark place and like YouTube, like the comment sections and the internet in general. Right. So a lot, right. a lot of struggles. And I, as a youth minister, I know what teens struggle with. And so like they need good things on the internet. And I was like, well, man, maybe we could like have this actual community kind of happen. And it just took off like from there, like from that moment, the very next day I had a conversation with my friend who's a marketing uh, guy and he was like, dude, Beard of Blevins, go change all your stuff. I'll make a logo. So the next day I have Beard of Blevins on all my social media. He made this logo for me, which is kind of cool looking. Um, the backwards hat and the beard, like totally his idea, not mine. Um, yeah. And and just we, and then the very next day, once that was all set, my brother was like, hey, dude, come over and start shooting at my house. So I'm sitting next to him, biggest streamer in the world, launching my stream. And that kind of got me a, a nice little platform to jump off of and right. get going. And people just like flocked to someone talking about Jesus while playing video games. And I never thought it would take off the way it has. It's slow. It, I, won't, I don't want to say it's slowed down, but the hype of it has slowed down. Like there are now there's tons of famous streamers. Um, and so the whole like cool effect of Ninja's brother is playing a video game like it has worn off, which is fine with me because I'm not there for that. Um, but man, the stories that have happened, the stories I could tell you from the last two years of streaming about people finding their faith and God using it to lead people closer to him. It's cra- It's been crazy. Yeah. Um, talk about that for like, what's, what's the story of just one, one person. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, so I'll share, uh, I'll share this one. Um, the, the, there's a thing you can do for those who don't understand streaming. There's a thing you can do when you when you're streaming and you have let's say 100 people watching you. If you're going to end your stream, you can send those 100 people to someone else, and mm-hmm. it's called hosting someone or rating someone, and it makes yeah. their day because then they have a bunch of people watching their channel and it's like, oh hey look, this person hosted me. So when I first started streaming, this uh, I didn't realize that I should probably like click the streamer if I don't know them and make sure that they're like a family friendly stream before I host them. Yeah. So this one night, I decided to send my 100 viewers over to this random dude. And 
I got into his channel and all my viewers went in there and he's getting tons of followers now, right? And his notification when someone follows him literally was Satan. It was like, it was like, and in the language I can't even say on the podcast, but it was like, welcome to the mother. And I was like, oh my, what did I just do? So I'm typing in the chat. I'm like, get out of here, leave. I'm so sorry. I didn't know this guy was like that. So this guy reads my comments and he's like, he's this really nice guy. And I was, I was scared, dude. I, I heard his notifications. I was literally like, this is demonic. This is not good. He goes, I'm so sorry. He turns his like heavy metal off. Nothing wrong with heavy metal, but he turns his heavy metal yeah. off and he's just like, you know what, man? You're right. I should change my notification. It's a little weird. I'm sorry. And I was like, okay. So I, I hung out for a little while. And wow. all of a sudden I find out this dude lost his baby like three months ago. His marriage is going in the tubes because he they, they're, they're mourning. And he hasn't been like going to church in years. Um, was in the military. I don't know if he still was in the military or not. Um and and all of a sudden, like he he has new notifications the next day. He's positive, and he says that my community, not me, but the community of people that were there and talking to him and saying they're praying for him and praying for the loss of his son, um, had made him start to go back to church and to to not wallow so much in negativity. It was wild. Wow. It was wild. Wow. And that's just one. I've got like many more like it, but it's crazy. And again, it really isn't me. It's the Holy Spirit, and it's the that's people so in the community that are so loving and accepting. Uh, and, and so good at welcoming people into it. Dude, man, that's so powerful. And I'll share just like, personally, it impacts me because my wife and I lost two kids before we had our baby girl Eden. And just like the outpouring of people on social media really is what kept our faith strong because like we really felt like, what the hell? Like, how do we like move forward from this? And it was a huge struggle, you know, but like the we posted on social media honestly about it. And then the people who outpoured on us was, it really saved like, saved our marriage it helped us grow closer together it helped us bond so like yeah. it's huge for that guy and it's really powerful to hear that story i love that man that's cool amen brother so let's go, like go back to like the beginning you're starting this whole streaming thing and what are those conversations like with with your wife and and with your brother and you're like maybe i should do it like talk talk about that yeah, so uh, with Tyler and and his wife Jess, it was they were just nothing but supportive. They're like, go do it, man! Like, it, worst that could happen, you don't like it, and you can stop. Um, and that was kind of it with them. Um, Jody, she's she's very supportive. Like, here, it's funny. She always teases me. She's like, John, you have a million dreams. Like, I, like mm-hmm. I, I I could see myself. I would. I want to be a, a sports announcer still. I want to have my own radio show still. Um, I want to own a Chick Fil A and run a Chick Fil A. Like, I have so many dreams. Um, I love streaming. I, I love digital evangelization. And and she's like, you know, you're just you have so many dreams. She's like, I don't know if I have any. And, I, and I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, sorry. Um, so I take this to her and she always tries to be super supportive of my ideas. And she's a very realist. Uh, she's very realist about it. But um, she was like, you know what, like, try it if you're already gaming anyway. Um, but she's like, uh, under one condition, like we can talk about, you know, when you're going to do it. And if it's becoming too much, like I have to be part of the conversation. And I was like, okay. Um, and so really, from the beginning, I've honestly only streamed like 10 to 15 hours a week, sometimes less and sometimes more if she's out of town. And um, it, it has never really been a huge issue. I think the biggest issue, um, like the, the biggest thing that Jody wishes I would maybe do better is like end the stream earlier so I get a good night's sleep. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, she's been nothing but supportive. That's cool. What is What was like the, the conversations and the, 
the feelings of friends and family um, and, and maybe your pastor and church community as you started to do it? Yeah. So great question. The, uh, when I was my pastor at my last parish was, did he, like, I've never had a pastor like this before where he was just like, John, like he loved me. He was affirming all the time. He's like, John, whatever you do that is bettering you or bettering other people is bettering this church. So go do it. So like, I wouldn't have to take vacation to go speak at conferences um, uh-huh. uh, he was just like, Hey, if you're growing in, in a way, then you're going to come back here and our parish is going to feel that. And I was like, wow. So he was wildly supportive. He would watch sometimes, um, mm-hmm. the, um, and now that it's such a part of my life, like when I moved over to this new church, I, it was something I'd shared with the staff and the pastor right beforehand. Like, I need to make sure that I, you're okay with this, that I'm still gonna be doing 10, 15 hours a week on my own time. Um, yep. and, and this pastor is very supportive as well. And I showed him a grotto video uh, that this Notre Dame grotto network thing did. And he was like, Oh, okay, this makes more sense. Yeah. Um, friends wildly supportive and, and do like, no, I always feel like I'm bragging saying how, how many, like I've been blessed with so many friends. Um, and Jody and I are just busy bodies. Like we, we're, we have, we have to like carve time out for a long time. And so yeah. um, I'll, if I'm streaming three nights a week, I'm spending three nights a week with friends and Jody uh, and then uh, one night a week, like alone with her. Right. Yeah. So it's like every night there's something. Um, and so the friends are supportive because it really hasn't taken away time that I would spend with them. Yeah. Dude, it's so cool. Cause I think like what that speaks to is, is this great discipline of like having to like structuring your days. And I feel like, especially in youth ministry, cause sometimes youth ministry, it can be like a create your own schedule or, do, you know, come in whenever to the office. Like that's kind of the culture around a lot of different parishes, but like it should be a little bit more structured and people should put like this discipline around it. Like speak to that a little bit and how you've, you've grown those habits of, you know, these are the days I'm streaming and these are the days I'm with my family. These are the days, this is the time I'm with the parish and whatnot. And friends. Yeah. Um, so that, that's great. Again, great question. My wife stays home. And so that helps a lot because uh, yeah. it, it helps. It, it, it forces me to be more disciplined because if I'm not, then she's struggling. Um, right. It's not like the kids are just like, like of a daycare. And so if I go in late to work, uh, not a big deal. Or if I don't drive my kid to school, not a big deal. So, um, because right, because she or maybe already did or whatever. So uh, it helps that she's home because then I can. I'm like, all right, Jody, like let's carve this week out. What nights make the most sense for me to stream? Um, and eventually, both at my last parish and now, we've been able to carve out the two or three nights that I do it um, and make it super consistent. So like Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, I stream. Well, Tuesdays and Thursdays are her shows are on, um, and so she mm-hmm. likes to watch those shows. Those are not the. I watch a lot of shows with her, but not those ones. Um, and then Sunday night, she has like a friend over. And so it's, 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 it's been really good. Um, and I'm not perfect at it without her. I'd be a mess. I would say if I've, if I've struggled in any way, it's like I said earlier, it's like, I need to go to bed. I really need to be in bed by 11, 1130 if I'm going to be productive the next day. Um, but work always comes first. And so every once in a while I'll have to cancel a stream. Um, uh, if I'm too tired or if I have an event going on, cause, uh, cause it right from that's it. it goes family work and then the stream, um, yeah. friends obviously as well, but like, as far as my, my, my responsibilities go in that right. order. That's cool, man. That's cool. Did you like get any amount of like hate or discouragement from people online? Um, cause you said, you know, you did a big launch around, you know, with your brother at his house. Um, yeah. and that kind of helped, you know, build, build your platform a little bit. Um, did you like, cause I don't know, did, does your brother share, like openly about Catholicism or faith at all? 
not like, not a ton. Um, but he has in my grotto video. He was like, I, I look to do what John is doing someday with my stream. So that was kind of cool. Um, cool. But no, he yeah. So he it's uh, I think he makes it pretty public that he believes in God, that he's raised yeah. Catholic and stuff, but doesn't really talk a ton about faith. So yeah, I've gotten uh, you know what? Honestly, I've gotten a lot. Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of hate, sure, but way less than I thought I would get, and way less than he gets. Like he, dude, I, I stopped reading Instagram comments, Twitter comments yeah. on his feed because people are just horrible. I mean, horrible. And so yeah. people will say some of those things to me, and I let it. I, I think it might affect. I'm pretty good at not letting it affect me. I, I get hurt when like someone in my work life, like a, a family that I'm ministering to or something, do, isn't supportive. Um, yeah. Or, you know, a volunteer who I just met is like, I can't believe he does this. That hurts way more than like some random person saying, hey, fatty, you look like Seth Rogen. Um, oh which I respond with like, yeah, Seth Rogen actually admitted that we look similar. So I saw that on that Twitter. Out. Thanks for pointing I, that out. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on Twitter. That was that was awesome. But I'd be lying if I said it was e- it, that it was easy. No, it's uh, it yeah. definitely takes a toll. But I, I, it's way less hate than I thought I would get. Yeah, I li- I watched like a stream of yours a few weeks ago, and it was like you were going on, and you'd jump on with like random people and just start talking with them, or whatever. And then like this one guy came on and just started going at your brother, and like because yeah, he knew your last name, and I was like, I was like, whoa. I was like, whoa, like this is great, but it's. Like, that's that's insane. Yeah, I remember exactly what you're talking about. I was like, all right, see ya. See ya. <laughs> yeah, you're like, not having that. Not having that. Oh, man. Oh, man. How Does that, like, affect your brother? Or, like, does he see any of this type of stuff? And then... I think he's getting better at it. I think it, I think it's impossible not to affect anyone, right? Like, you, yeah, yeah. You, you see you see the famous people that struggle with, with depression and, right, Robin Williams and suicide and all that stuff, like... It's no famous person is immune uh, to those things. And so yeah. I, it's, it's actually helped me to teach young people like, hey, don't like just people want to just be treated like people all the time. Yeah. And at first, everyone who gets famous at first, I'm sure they love like all the attention they get. But eventually, like it, it just gets tiresome. I think Steve Harvey was the one who said, like, I wouldn't wish fame on my worst enemy. Mm, um, yeah. It's crazy. Like Steve Harvey was talking about it. Like he can't go to a movie theater without getting bombarded. Mm. And so he just has a movie theater in his home. Well, that's super lonely. Yeah. Um, right. Like it's like, oh, movie theater is home. Like so lucky. It's like, yeah, but it's also it's also pretty cool to be able to go to the mall and not have be bombarded with people. So I do think it affects everyone. Uh, I think Tyler's getting a lot better at at um, not listening to those voices and listening to the voices of support. What would you say to some people who kind of like I like, and I'm sure you do as well. Like maybe some of your youth always are like, oh, you know, I want I want to get money and and have fame and all this type of stuff. You know, having some exposure to this with your brother and, and even yourself and your your platform growing, like what would you say to those people who desire that type of thing? Yeah, I, I the, the number one talk that I give more than any other like talk is uh, about desires and about how Jesus is the only one who can satisfy our desires uh, and that we always chase the things of this world, but the things of this world will never satisfy us. Um, and, and man, like that, I've learned it. I continue to learn it. Um, but that, that's what I tell the, the team. And I'm just bold with them. I'm like, listen, I've been on, I've been on a private jet multiple times. I've met my favorite lions players. I've had crazy cool opportunities. I hung out with Dr. Lupo, Tim, the tap man, Trevor May, these, these famous streamers like it. None of that makes, it makes me happy. Right. Yeah. None of it. Um, by the way, if, if anyone's listening to that, it is my wife moving chairs upstairs for our kids to eat a snack. So I apologize. That's good. Cool, no um, but uh, yeah, so so I and when when you tell them that, like teens really are just like, oh wow, 
Like, and I, or, or, or I'll even tell him, like, I, like Tyler's one of my best friends. He's not happy just because he's fam- rich and famous, right? Like, if he's not right. close to his wife, if he's not, you know, praying and stuff, like, he's not going to be fulfilled. He's not going to be joyful. Um, right. And it's just this constant chase for, like, the next thing, the next high, uh, the next big event. And so that I, I tell them that often. And then I love this tweet. My buddy, my buddy tweeted this, uh, this meme. You know how there's memes out there where it's, like, there's, like, a picture of something and mm. it's like pick two. You seen that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he there was this thing of like if you could take uh, if you could take two pills out of these nine pills, which which two would you take? And uh, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read the nine pills to you, and then okay. uh, read the thought that I had as I looked at it. So here they are. It's a uh, perfect health, choose slash keep body type, super strength. Heal others' illnesses, super intelligence, find love forever, talk to deceased loved ones, change three things from the past, or have unlimited money. And, you know, people pick only three pills. And it's like, I looked at it and I was like, you could literally have all nine of those pills. And if you don't have Jesus at the front and center of your life, Mm -hmm. you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that's what, that's why I tell young people. And it usually sinks in. Yeah. That's, that's powerful, man. I like that. Um, so, I mean, what, what's kind of on your radar for the future? Um, I was, I want to keep serving God and his people love God, love people. I, I don't know where that motto comes from, but I love it. Um, I, 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 I'm at this parish. I have a team of seven people that report to me that I get to lead and walk with and, and uh-huh. they lead me. Um, and I want to see what God has in store for us at this parish. Um, I think we have a lot of opportunities at this parish to do some crazy things. Chicago's going through a big transition right now with kind of closing parishes and doing some new innovative things. Um, yeah. So I want to be a part of that at this parish with some local parishes near us and maybe see what we can do there as far as teamwork goes. Um, I, I'm going to continue streaming. I love it. My wife joked recently. She's like, you know, the kids could just have a guest the guest room down there one day. And I was like, one day? Like when? Like I plan on streaming. She's like, you're not going to stream when you're 40. And I was like, I might. <laughs> um, so street, I love. I want to continue streaming. Uh, I do love sharing the gospel, and so I'm always open to to going places and speaking. But it's not something that I promote. Um, it just feels weird to me to promote that stuff, so I really don't. Um, but yeah, I just want to keep serving, loving the Lord, and figuring out what He has in store for me and what He has in store for the fam. That's awesome, man. That's cool. So, final two questions I ask everybody. Um, number one, uh, what are some books you'd recommend to people for reading? Ooh, do they have to be spiritual? No, do whatever you want. Okay, Story of a Soul. It is spiritual. Uh, it is one of my favorite books of all time. St. Therese of Lisieux's, like autobiography. It's incredible yeah. stuff. She's great. I love that book. Um, the Lord of the Rings series is incredible, and there's a lot. I think there's a lot of Catholic undertones there. Some there. people argue with me about it. I don't care. I, I agree. I agree with you. Right? There's The Last yes. Supper is in there, dude. There's so many things. I love it. Yeah, you know, it's so it's so present and I I I was reading or I, I watched a YouTube video all about this and it was like the ring represents sin and we have to carry it and destroy it and this whole you know, it's hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, I love it. And then I'm gonna recommend a third book that I've never read, but it is number one on my to read list because it's my best friend Joel's uh, favorite book and it's Perks of Being a Wallflower. I've heard so, so many good things, now- I have to read it. I've heard a lot of really good things about the book. Never, never read the book. Watched the movie. The movie was good. Okay. Well, there you go. Now we both have to read the book. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So final question is, you know, you live a great life. It's awesome. And then boom, you're dead and life's over. But you get to come back and choose 
you're the patron saint of what? Oh my gosh. I go, I oscillate. It's funny because I think about this. I oscillate between patron saint of losing football teams, the Detroit Lions, <laughs> and then patron saint of Twitter slash social media. I think, I think being the patron saint of social media would be cool. I highly doubt that will be me because I'll tweet, like I just tweet jokes at PETA and that's going to be like the thing that gets me not to be a saint about it. Um, <laughs> but that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool, man. That's awesome. I love it. Sweet. Well, Pedro saying of losing teams that that is definitely in the right. I mean, the Detroit Lions will have to forgive you, man. I mean, I'm a big uh, Seahawks fan. My my pastor that I worked for, he actually was the chaplain for the Seattle Seahawks for the years that they won the Super Bowl and lost the Super Bowl. But he was there and he knows a lot of the players. So he's got some cool stories. And we, we love the Seahawks uh, at St. John the Evangelist. So it's fun. That's cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, keep you know, power to you, man. Keep suffering through it. Right. The only way here's a, here's what I figure though, right? The only way I could ever be the patron saint of losing football teams is if the Lions win a Super Bowl in my lifetime, and then people can intercede and ask me to help their football team win or their baseball team win. And if I'm dead and it happens, then boom, miracles. It, it, <laughs> that that could be a miracle. That could be, are you a fan of Gary V? Gary oh v. yeah. Oh yeah. So you could be like him. You'd be like, I'm gonna buy the Detroit Lions one day and then bring them to the Super Bowl. Boom, there you go. <laughs> Boom, there you go. <laughs> I love it, man. Sweet. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been fun. Love it. Love what you're doing. And I think um I think you're a great inspiration because like not only it, like we talked about in the beginning, you're seeming like you're really pushing towards leadership and growth in parish life, but also just you're you seem very innovative. I mean what you're doing with video games and evangelization is super powerful and inspiring because not only does it say to others go do video games for evangelization it says do other things than the norm for evangelization and bring people to jesus with no matter the cost no matter what it is so i i really acknowledge that i think it's really cool what you're doing thanks and for being on the show man i appreciate that nick yo thanks for thanks for having me man it's been a pleasure to talk to you yeah, yeah, for sure. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, Bearded Blevins at everything. I'm embarrassed to say that I'm on TikTok now, and I'm having way too much fun with that too. So, dude, I actually saw that just before we got on, and you are crushing it. Like, some of your TikToks are really funny. You only have a few, but I mean, it was fun. It was fun. Time. Thanks, man. I appreciate. It. I got yeah, I got to make more. But yeah, Bearded Blevins and all that stuff, and Twitch is where you'll find me on stream. Cool, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with John Bearded Blevins. Be sure to go and follow him on all social media at Bearded Blevins. If you love the show, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. It really helps people find the show. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please subscribe. And you can get new podcasts. I know I've been saying every Friday, but it's going to be actually every Monday going forward. I think that's going to be a better day for most people. So, New podcast every Monday. So subscribe to get those right into wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much again for listening.